Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. He heard about the prophet Isaiah and all these things and it caused him to see God and wanted to be in relationship with God, but he knew that he was not of the seed of Abraham, but still he loved God's people and he loved God. Now listen, he loved them so much that he built him a church that he himself could not even go in. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. All right, um, today, welcome everybody. Once again, thank you so much for coming to the house of God today. I want to welcome all of our online community that are gathering and joining us from all around the world whether you're watching by way of Roku, by YouTube, or, or by um, satellite, or by cable, however you're listening, watching internet, website, or podcast, radio, however you're listening or watching, we thank you guys so much for tuning in and being a part of today's service. I know the Lord has a rich blessing in store for you, for you, and especially you. Okay, and you too. God bless you all in Jesus' name. We're going to go back into the series today entitled Net Fishing, Net Fishing. And today we're going to subtitle this. We're going to subtitle this Outside Looking In. Outside Looking In. There's a whole group of people on the outside, but they are looking in. And the Lord takes us to, once again, a very familiar text of Scripture. And uh, so we're going to read that today, and I'm going to try to restrain myself just for a few moments to read this verses. Uh, Luke, the seventh chapter, verses one through 10. And I say that because I tell you, the word of God is such, it, it is so alive. It makes me want to run. <laughs> it makes me want to jump, makes me want to leap to Mary. I'm telling you, it really does. Woo! All right, let's go with it here. Luke, seventh chapter, verses one through 10, and it reads like this. Now, when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. Verse number three. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy uh, for whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying, Lord, saying unto, unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself. For I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. But say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found 
So great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent, returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. Again, we're speaking from the subject of outside, on the outside, looking inside. I pray this blows up to you. I pray it's a spiritual grenade that blows up to you like it blew up to me. My wife and my son, I'm sure, thought I was crazy that day as I screamed going down the hallway. But it's okay. Please pray for their ministry. Praise the Lord. As they see many crazy things in my house. Hallelujah. There it is. There it goes again. Hallelujah. Oh, my God. Let's go back to the text once again. And so we see here that there was verse. Let's look at verse number two. This time, let's look at verse number two and get right down to it. So it says a certain centurion servant. Now, we know centurion, you know, this means he's a Roman uh, officer. Uh, he has his charge over 100, about 100 uh, soldiers. And he's there on behalf of Rome. And he's serving at the pleasure of Caesar. Well, the Romans were occupying uh, Jerusalem right now, Israel. And they were there in control. What Caesar said went at this time. And so he was one of the ones, one of the commanders sent there to maintain the order, maintain the peace. Now, those Romans uh, were a polytheistic society, meaning they had a whole lot of gods that they worshipped. It was Aphrodite, or maybe Aphrodite. Aphrodite, yeah, that was it's probably Afro, but no. There was Aphrodite, and there was, uh, you know, all these other Zeus and all these other characters that the, that the Roman citizens worship. So he came over from that culture, from the outside, coming into this culture with his soldiers there to maintain the order, there to maintain the peace in the name of Caesar. He's there to bring the Jews under subjection, causing them to do what Caesar wants. Well, while this man is there in this territory, we understand that he has a servant. And whether this servant is a Jewish person, we do not know. Whether he's from Rome, we don't know. But we know that while he is there, his servant becomes sick, and his servant is very dear to his heart. So I want you to catch this scene now. This centurion has all this authority, now has a servant, of course, and his servant is sick and at the point of death. Now, we know that there are two groups of people there in the, um, in the centurion's house. At least we can, I believe, best guess, we can, we can guess this, that along with the centurion, of course, and his sick servant, along with them are elders of the Jews. They're possibly there, maybe praying for uh, his sick servant. And then also the centurion has friends that are there with him at the house. Catch this scene. They're all in the house, and it's a very somber time. And I'm sure that the elders have prayed, the elders of the Jews have prayed for his sick servant that was dear to him. And I'm not sure if, if any of you, I hope that you have it, but chances are you have, have had sick friends. Now, this servant was probably not a blood relative of the commander here, but you know, family can be more than just by blood. And he loved him. He loved this servant. And so he was there at the bedside. I'm sure I can see the scene at the bedside. The elders are there uh, of the Jews at the bedside, along with the friends in there in mourning and just, just praying because they feel this man's pain. 
fill this in this house of pain. Now understand something here. As it goes on down, down verse number three, let's look again at verse number three. Verse three says, and when he heard of Jesus, so who told him about Jesus? It must have been the elders of the Jews. This man, of course, again, a centurion from Rome, worshiping all these other gods, never heard of Jesus. But he's there in this, and he's uh, in the service of Caesar, occupying this territory. Now, as you know, as the account goes, uh, the, someone tells him about Jesus, and probably, again, the elders, and then he sends the elders away. Remember, he's possibly there in the house with the sick servant, and his friends are with him and the elders. He sends the first wave out to talk to Jesus because the elders know who Jesus is. They've seen Jesus, and they know where he is. He sends them out. Someone having told him about Jesus, you know, there's a prophet in the land. His name is Jesus. He has been healing people, raising them from the dead, opening blind eyes, curing leprosy. You know, we ought to get him. Somebody tells him this at the last hour here. The servant is about to die. And so he sends him away. Yes, go, go, go. And somewhere in there, he acknowledges that Jesus can't do this except he be under some sort of authority. He reasons that in his heart, and he believes in the ministry of Jesus, believes that he has been sent from God and having been uh, endued with powers from God, and he sent the elders away. Go, go quick. And so the elders... They get to Jesus. They know who he is. And they begin to give Jesus testimony of the centurion. Y'all stay with me. They get there, and the Bible says in verse number four, and when they came to Jesus, again, they knew exactly where he was. They knew how he looked. They knew what he did. Please do not discount the, the ministry of elders. Those that have gone before you, those who know what Jesus looked like, those who know how to talk to Jesus on your behalf. The ministry of the elders. Now, the elders here, look, let's look at what they said here. It says, the elders came, in verse number three, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. So they, they begged Jesus on the centurion's behalf, come to his house, Jesus Come to his house. But they didn't just stop there. Verse number four said, and when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly saying that he was worthy to do this. He's worthy for you to do this, Jesus. Why? For verse five, he loves our nation. He loves our people. And he has built us a church. He built us a synagogue, Jesus. He's worthy. So listen, the elders and the men, remember the man sent uh, two groups of people there. One, the first wave was the elders <sighs> that comes out of his house of pain. These elders know who Jesus is, uh, know where he was, and know how to talk to him. The Bible says that they declared to Jesus what the centurion did. He loves our nation. He loves us. And to love the Jewish people means that he also loves God. And he says he, he also built us a church, Jesus. He built us a synagogue. Now, I got to tell you a little bit about culture. Come on. Ooh, Jesus. 
Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. We're going to get it. Are you with me? I said, there's a lot of fire in here. I'm trying to get it out to you, my God. And so it says that he built us a synagogue. Now I want to tell you a little bit about culture and why this man is actually on the outside. Let's look at a few verses. Let's go to John, the fourth chapter, John 4, verse 7 through 10. I want to show you this because you have to understand what the centurion also understood. You have to understand this. Uh, let's look at the Lord's encounter here with the woman at the well. We'll start here. In John, the fourth chapter, verse number seven, it says, and, and there, rather, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto, unto her, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Verse number nine says, then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou, being a Jew, Asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria. We are different, Jesus. For the Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans. Not only the Samaritans, but with other people from around the world. If you were not a Jew, you were known as a Gentile. You were not under the commonwealth of God's people. You were not of the seed of Abraham. You were not under the covenant of God. And because of that, really, your soul was damned to hell. Because salvation, as we'll see this, let's look at verse number uh, 22. Uh, John 4, 22. 4, 22 says, ye worship, ye wor you worship, ye know not what. For, or rather, you, ye worship... Ye know not what. We know what we worship. Why? Say it with me. For salvation is of the Jews. There is no other salvation apart from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You got me? Let's go a little bit further. Let's look at Acts. Acts of Tim chapter. Acts of Tim chapter, verse number 28. Now, this is when Peter's giving his testimony about what's going on at Cornelius' at Cornelius's house which was also a Roman soldier, I believe. He was a Jew. This was, uh, rather, uh, Cornelius was not, not Jewish, probably uh, Roman once again. And Peter says some words to him that, that because of Jesus, the whole thing had been reversed. But here, the climate of this centurion servant that we just read about in Luke 7. Please understand this. Look at verse 28. And the Bible says here, and he said unto, and he said, uh, unto them, ye know that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. For God hath showed me that I should not, rather, but God has showed me that I should not call any man unclean, rather, common, I should not call any man common or unclean. Now, the law was already set. So this is a law that was set at the time that the Lord Jesus uh, was encountering this centurion. All right. And Luke seven, it was unlawful for a Jewish person to keep company with one that was and that was not a Jew. Look at Matthew 15. Look at Matthew 15. This is what Jesus came to do. Matthew 15, verse 24. The Bible says here that but he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
Jesus said, he, the Bible says also in John 1, 11. John 1, 11 says, uh, the Lord says here, he came unto his own and his own received him not. Jesus came to minister to and to save those that were of the seed of Abraham. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to see this because for this man, this centurion, to not only love the people of God and love the, that is, love the nation of Israel and also build them a house, build them a synagogue, a church, for him to do that, he was on the outside looking in. He had heard about the exploits of their God, how he brought them out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, how he opened up the Red Sea and caused Pharaoh's army to drown in it. He heard about the exploits of the children of, children of Israel going around the city of Jericho, marching around its walls, and it fell flat. He heard about how Joshua said, Son, stand still. All this was in print and written in the Holy Scrolls. He heard about Elijah and the things that God had done through him. He heard about the prophet Isaiah and all these things, and it caused him to see God and wanted to be in relationship with God, but he knew that he was not of the seed of Abraham, but still he loved God's people and he loved God. Now listen, he loved them so much that he built him a church that he himself could not even go in. If he had gone to this church that he, that he built for them, he, they would have to say, no, you can't come in. Why? Because you're not of the seed of Abraham. You're not a Jew. I built you something that I can't even enjoy. Please understand that he's on the outside looking in. And I'm not sure if you ever really pondered this question. I have at one time, and the thought came to me that what if my labors in faith in Jesus were not enough to please God when I got up into heaven? What if on the day of judgment, Father God would say to me, no, you're not good enough to come in. Thank you for what you did on earth, but you're not good enough to come in. What if the Lord told you that today, that you would not be good enough to find favor in his sight? And what if you ended up in hell? And I thought about that thing. Well, I said, Lord, well, in hell, I would still raise my voice and praise you and worship you and honor you because you've been good to me. You've been so good to me. And I'm sorry, Lord, I didn't do the best that I could there on earth. But here in hell, I will magnify your name. I will testify of your goodness because it's in me. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you would be willing to stand on the outside and, and love from the outside and, and see and this man desire to be on the inside and couldn't be there and know that he would not find favor with God because he was not a Jew at this time, knowing he would not, but still loved, still gave on the outside looking in. And somebody had a great testimony before him. Somebody actually lived the life before him. Why? Because he's coming from a foreign land, worshiping all these other gods. They must have seen the relationship that God's people had. Wow, look at how you worship. Wow, look at the Lord's presence on you. You know, I am so, ooh, I, I, I'm so overwhelmed. I see God on your life. I see him on you. I see him in you. I know that I cannot find favor through what I have done. Done, but I want to give to you. I'll build you. I see what you're meeting right now. And I'll build you a better place. I'll use my own money to honor you, to honor your God. Jesus, Jesus. 
Are you hearing? He's on the outside looking in. And so the centurion sends uh, the, the elders go. And the elders can only do one thing. They can only tell Jesus about what the man had done. The elders don't really know him like his friends. You see, your pastor loves you, but pastor don't know you like your friends. The pastor can only go before God and say, Lord, they're faithful in church. They pay tithes and they give offerings. You know, they're faithful in church. They pay tithes and they, they give offerings. And I don't go home with them, Jesus. I don't know. But there are other relationships that do. But don't discount the ministry of the elders once again because they got Jesus' attention. And because of the elders, Jesus now turns his attention toward the house and begins going and begins now to journey toward the house because of the testimony of the elders as the elders have spoken on your behalf. Oh, my Jesus. Is somebody getting this yet? And so the Bible says here, look now at verse number at verse number five. Once again, it says, for he loveth our nation and have built us a, a synagogue. Look at verse number six. The very first word in verse number six, it says what? Then it says, what? Then, then Jesus went with them. After he heard the testimony of the elders, then Jesus went with them. Why? Because before that point, why would Jesus go? Because he was not sent to the Gentiles at this point. He was sent to the, to the uh, lost tribes of, of the Israel, to the people of God. He was not sent to the Gentiles as of yet, but when he heard the testimony of the elders, then Jesus turned and went toward his house. Are you hearing that? Praise God. You're going to need, the, in this hour, you're going to need the testimony of the elders. You're going to need the testimony of the elders. So, my God, I pray for folk that hang out of church and don't and you don't have a pastor. You don't have the spiritual leaders. You're just going to try to do it all by yourself. You're going to need the testimony of the elders. And you're also going to need the ministry of friends. Let's look along. Let's look on a little bit further. Then verse let's look at verse number six. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was now uh, not far from the house, the centurion sent friends. The friends know you. They know your heart. The elders may know what you've done. They may know your ways, but your friends know your heart. And it's the friends that communicate the centurion's heart to Jesus. Isn't it good to have friends? I didn't say acquaintances. I said friends. Even if you only got one, it's good to have a friend that can talk to Jesus on your behalf. When you cannot go yourself, remember it was un unlawful for this centurion to really, and he, he knew it. He knew that he was not worthy to come into Jesus' presence. He already knew it. And he makes that statement because he knows Jewish law. I'm not, I'm, I'm not worthy. But listen to what the friends say again. The friends say here uh, unto the Lord, he says, trouble not thyself for I am not worthy. I know the law that thou shouldest enter under my roof. I know we're not supposed to keep company. 
Verse number seven, therefore, uh, rather, wherefore, uh, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. Now, listen, the elder said he's worthy. But look at the man's heart. I'm not worthy. Meaning that he wasn't building God a synagogue, the people of God a synagogue, to get brownie points with God. Because sometimes we do things to get things. I'm, Lord, I did this for you. So you ought to do this for me. He did this out of love. He loved the Jewish nation. He loved this, the people, the, the nation. And he loved, I'm telling you, he loved their God as well, but he couldn't interact with them. And so the friend said here, this was a man's heart. He said, wherefore, in verse number seven, he says, wherefore, uh, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word and my servant shall be healed. Just say it. Just say it. Now, listen, as you know, as the account goes, the Lord says this man has great faith. Why does he have great faith? Because, listen, he trusted in the man, Jesus, and he trusted in the word that came from his mouth. Faith is unauthorized unless you tie it to the source. There's no such thing as having faith in faith. You have to have faith in the person that said it. Trusting in the person of Jesus and trusting in what he said, that produces great faith. If you can't trust Jesus, there's no, there's no, thing, there's no such thing as having faith in Jesus. Trusting Jesus and trusting what he said produces miracle. Now understand something, Jesus, or rather the centurion, the centurion is still at home at this point with his servant. He hasn't left his side, I believe. He hasn't left his side. And so as he sent the elders out, and as he sent the friends out, he's still there at the friend's side. So they're at the friend's side, sitting by the bedside or kneeling by the bedside, however he's doing it. He is waiting on a word to come back to him. He has sent a word out and said, Lord, friends, tell him, Rutabaga, Ronnie, Mickey, and Mike, <laughs> I want y'all to go and talk to Jesus for me. Are you hearing? I want y'all to go and talk to Jesus for me and tell Jesus these exact words. They go. And so the centurion is here on the bedside, by the bedside, waiting for the manifestation of power. Because he knows that if Jesus just speaks it, if Jesus just speaks it, this thing is going to go away. My servant will be healed. My servant will be made well. All Jesus got to do is say it. And how do I know that Jesus said it when this man gets up again, when my servant comes up and he is healed? I'll know Jesus has said it. And so he's waiting on a word from Jesus. He's not waiting on Jesus to come to his house. He's waiting on a word from Jesus. He's waiting on his word. He's waiting on his word. Now let's talk about that word just for a moment. Let's go to Psalm 107. Psalm 107 verse number 20. Oh, I love this. Y'all getting something out of this? Psalm 107 verse 20 says, he sent his what? His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. I bet the centurion uh, read this or heard about this in those scrolls. That's how about Jeremiah 23 verse 29. It says, uh, is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, 
and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? Now, here's something. Hear this, child of God. I want you to really understand this because I, I received this right now from the Spirit of God. There will be a departure uh, of many within the church, or many that say that they are saved, there'll be a departure from the person of Christ and his word. They will try to say, I have faith in God, but I don't believe in God. I have faith in what he said, but I don't believe in him. They'll try to separate Jesus from his word. They say, I know his Bible. I know the book. This is what it said. And they'll even quote what he said, but they have no relationship with him personally. There'll be a departure. Oh, they may sing it, they may say it, but they don't know him. But power is released. You'll stand in great faith when you trust the man, Jesus. When you have an intimate relationship with him and you know what he said and you believe in what he said. You have a relationship with the word giver and his word. This will produce the faith that you need to overcome the adversary in this hour. Are you still with me, saints of God? Let's look at Isaiah 55 as we begin to close. Isaiah 55, let's look at verse number 10. It says, For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may, what? Give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse number 11, let's read it together. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Are you hearing I believe he knew about this and knew that Jesus was under authority. So all I got to get you to do, Jesus, is just stand there in the middle of the road, wherever you are, and just say it. Just say my servant is healed. Just say it in the name of Jesus. Just release this word because I also am a man set under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to my soldier, do this, and he does a servant, do this and do that, go and so forth. Because because he understood authority and he understood that Jesus was under authority and because of that because he was in authority and understanding authority all he needed was a word and the Bible says that Jesus marveled at this and he made a strong statement I want you to see this here let's go back to Luke let's go back to Luke and now let's look at the very end of this let's look at verse number nine Luke 7 verse number nine it says here, Luke 7, verse 9, it says, When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about. He turns now to the people that are following him. So there's a whole crowd of people following Jesus. He turns to the people behind him. He turned, turned him about and said unto the people that follow him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Not, no, not among my own people. Nobody has believed in me, trusted in me, and trusted the word that came out of me. Among my own people, I have not seen this. And there's a departure from that. Hear me, saints of God. There is a departure. There is a ripping. There is, an, there is a tear that the, that the devil, Satan, is trying to do in the house of God, trying to remove Jesus from his word, trying to remove Jesus from the church. 
trying desperately to do that. And if he's successful in your life, you will be devoid of power. All you have is tricks and gimmicks and smoke and lights, but there'll be no power. The power of the spirit will not be present. So I tell you, build a relationship with Jesus. Trust in him. And what did he say to us on the last on last week? The Lord said, no matter what you see, rather, no matter what you no no matter what happens, no matter what you see, you can always trust in me. He said again, no matter what happens, no matter what you see, you can always trust in me. Trusting in Jesus is the foundation of your faith. In verse number 10, it says, again, in Luke, Luke 7, verse 10, the very last verse that we read here, it says, And they that were sent, returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. Jesus released a word. Well, how did this man receive his miracle? Now, he was on the outside looking in. He did not have a relationship with Jesus. He was not of the seed of Abraham. He did not have favor with God. If he died at that moment, he would have gone to hell, even though he built the synagogue. The blood had not been applied. Now, of course, Jesus came to tear down the middle wall of partition that there'll be that there's no such thing now as Jew or Gentile, bond or free, male or female, because it's all one in Christ Jesus. Receiving Jesus grafts the entire human race into the seed of Abraham. Because of Jesus, we enter into covenant relationship with God through the sacrifice of Jesus. We're now one family with God. One family with God because we've been born again, born of the seed of Abraham, born of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we qualify to share in God's inheritance, qualify to receive the blessings of God because we've come through now the lineage of Jesus. Now we're part of the family of God, not just by paper, but by blood. His blood circulates in your body now. The blood of Jesus has washed your sins away and made you righteous in the sight of God. But this man is on the outside at this point, and he's looking in. He is, he is observing their lives. He's observing their worship. And it causes him to change his mind. And it causes him to desire what they have. Well, the friends go back home and find that that servant was completely whole. And that man received the favor of God because of the ministry of the elders and the ministry of friends. But what if I don't have no friends? What if I don't know no preachers, no church? What, what if I don't have any spiritual leaders? First of all, go to God yourself because you have an audience and God has made you worthy through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He has made you worthy to come into your house. Matter of fact, the Lord not only wants to come in your house, he wants to come in your heart. He's willing to do that. Go to God. There are no barriers, no hindrances, no locks, no doors. The only doors that are up are ones that you put there. He's willing to come in now. And he calls you worthy, justified, holy, and righteous because of the shed blood of Jesus. But if you are on your 
If you're in a desperate situation, as this man was, born again or not born again, I would tell you, seek the elders. The Bible says, that let those who are sick, let them call on the elders of the church who will anoint them with oil and pray the prayer and pray the prayer of faith over them. And, the, and that prayer that is prayed in faith over that person will heal the sick and the Lord will, he will raise them up. Call on the ministry of the elders and then call on your friends. Call on your friends. There must be someone that you communicate to regularly. Someone that you have an ear, someone that knows your heart. Someone that can feel your pain. Someone that knows what Jesus looks like and how to get to him, how to pray, how to get a word to God for him. You say, I don't have that relationship. Well, let's get that relationship before the evil day comes. Now, for some, surely you can have a spiritual leader that is a friend. You can have a pastor that is a friend. Well, that's great. You get two, two for the price of one. But you need other relationships. Seek God for those relationships. You're going to need those. In an evil day, you're going to need the ministry of the elders and the ministry of friends. Therefore, I'll, like, we'll conclude with this. Drinking buddies, I wouldn't call them friends. Club hopping buddies, I wouldn't call them friends. In accordance to the word of God, a friend is someone that can take my request to Jesus. A friend is someone well, if I'm paralyzed, can break the roof apart and put me down there in front of Jesus. Somebody can get me to Jesus. That's a friend. If we don't have that type of friend, let's pray and seek God. And let's first be that type of friend to somebody else. First, show yourself friendly. You'll find it easier to find that kind of friend. Father, thank you for the words you've given us today. And Lord, I pray today that... Those that are on the outside looking at our lives, Father, I pray that they'll become so thirsty for you, Jesus. They become so thirsty for the kingdom of God that they will love, love us, that they will love the body of Christ and that they would give. Father, I pray that they won't stay on the outside. But Lord, I pray that they will come inside and receive the rich blessings for the wall has been torn down. They don't have to be outside anymore. Lord, I pray that they be so thirsty, so thirsty that they will come inside and dine and eat. For the table has been set for them. It has been ready. Father, I pray that your glory will shine about us, in us and through us to affect a change in the world around us. And Lord, if there be anyone right now under the sound of my voice and anyone watching or listening that does not know you as Lord and Savior, Father, I pray at this very moment that you will prick their hearts and they will cry out to you and that they will receive you as their Lord and Savior. They would return, that they would turn from their sins and then they would turn their hearts towards you. Lord, at this moment, I pray that they invite you in. Lord, that there be any sick among us and anyone sick listening or watching right now father i pray and i declare by the stripes of jesus that they are healed i send the word right now in jesus mighty name and i declare that you were wounded for our transgressions you were bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon you and with your stripes we are healed 
So Lord, I declare, I declare the decree healing for the body, healing for all those who would receive healing in their house of pain. Bless your people, Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.